Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, if there's one coaching lesson to be learned, from the NFL's two championship games yesterday, it's probably this. Mike Tomlin might have some things right. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Steelers with probably not the opening you'd expected. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll also check out. In the AFC, the Chiefs beat the Ravens 17-10. Same score by which the Steelers beat the Ravens, incidentally, this season twice. Crazy, right? In the other bracket, the I, I was going to say the 49ers beat the Lions 34-31, to but the, the Lions lost to the 49ers 34-31. The Lions lost that game way more than it was won. I will give grief to Tomlin, and it will be vocal, impassioned grief when it's merited that he'll either stay too stubborn with his game plan or that he won't embrace anything at all about the league's future, about the sports future, about analytics. But here, in two very different settings, for two very different reasons, I I have a little room for pause. In Baltimore, John Harbaugh and his crew very clearly entered their game against the Chiefs absolutely hell-bent on passing. Didn't matter who they had in the backfield. Didn't matter Lamar Jackson being historically mobile for a quarterback. It didn't matter. They had Gus Edwards, who's not a great back, but at least a good back. They ran out of their great backs earlier in the season. And it didn't matter, mind-bogglingly enough, that the Chiefs entered the game with the 28th-ranked run defense in the league. Didn't matter. Harbaugh made up his mind, and we've seen him do that from the Pittsburgh perspective many times over the years. It's not a strength. It's one thing to hold on to culture and to resolve and to character and exert your will. It's another thing to walk into a situation to see immediately that it's not working to your favor and to change, to adjust. My chief criticism of Tomlin over the years as it relates to adjustments is that it takes him too long. It takes him until halftime. He can't or won't see something in the first quarter or even early in the second quarter that makes him think, you know what, let's mix this up a bit. But Harbaugh never budged off this. I'm going to read you some numbers here, and if you weren't paying attention to this specific statistic as the game was going on, you might be surprised. 
Edwards, who, again, I'm going to reiterate here, is not some superstar at the position, ran three times for 20 yards. One of those carries was for 15, so the other two obviously netted only five, but he had three carries. That was it. Justice Hill, three carries for three yards. Lamar ran eight times for 54 yards. You never really know with him when it's a designed run and when it's just a scramble. But all told, they ended up with 81 yards on the ground in a game where you never needed to stop running because of the nature of the score. In a game where, as we would see, they could have really used some muscle down by the goal line instead of just handing the ball away as they did twice in the end zone. I've seen enough of Tomlin coaching, including his shortfalls, and they very much exist to know that he would have made some kind of change, and he most certainly would not have backed away from the run just because it's kind of the cool thing to do. And speaking of the cool thing to do, out in Santa Clara, California, yeah, Dan Campbell had himself a night. Twice decided against what would have been probably easy field goals to go for it on fourth and fairly short, not super short, but fairly short, had opportunities to turn a three-touchdown lead into something even more, and to just kind of, you know, be boring, be predictable, but also go to the Super Bowl. And he didn't do it either time. Why? Well, because in the regular season, Campbell and the Lions went for it on fourth down 34% of the time, which was an all-time NFL high. So they got there a certain way and felt like they needed to continue going there a certain way, either because of machismo or a blind loyalty to the analytics, which, by the way, in both of those cases, do give Campbell the benefit of the doubt. They say that that was the right thing to do, not by much. Not by much, in one case by a single percentage point, but they said it was the right thing to do. Here's the deal. When those analytical formulas are made, where they are made, sure, they can take into account a points lead. What they can't take into account is burying your opponent mentally deflating them, sucking the life out of them on their home field, silencing the 70,000 people around them. None of that, none of that comes into the equation. You're going to see here and read a ton of stuff for the week to come about the merits of analytics or the analytics being overvalued and the analytics not being in touch with this and that. They're not anything of the kind. Analytics just means math. It just means data. It's what you do with it that matters. As I've said countless times regarding Tomlin, it should advise you. It doesn't have to direct you. In Tomlin's case, he doesn't even let it get to point A. He doesn't even want to hear them. Heck, he doesn't even want to have a, an assistant helping him out with replays. So there is a middle ground to be had here. In Campbell's case, he became and allowed himself to become a pawn to this. 
He just looked at it and said, what's the percentage say? Oh, okay, well, we'll just do that. You still have to coach. You still have to use your head. And you can use an advised head as well. When we come back, J1Q. Luxembourg Garbett, Kelly and George, LGKG, is a personal injury law firm in western Pennsylvania that represents people hurt in car accidents or who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice. When the attorneys at LGKG make you a promise, they keep it. They've been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG's been AV rated, the highest rating a law firm can receive, and they've been designated super lawyers. That's actually a thing for over 15 years. It's a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them by visiting lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. LGKG. Today's J1Q comes from Matt, who says, DK, if the Steelers management couldn't see that Mason Rudolph was better than Mitch Trubisky, why are they still making personnel decisions? Couple this with the Matt Canada decision, and this is what you get. I hope Mason gets a big, fat, free agent contract, Matt concludes. You know, that does get kind of bypassed in this whole scenario, doesn't it? Everyone's talking after the fact about Mason versus Kenny Pickett and the decision, but also, and even more so, the future and how that's going to play out. But it also did happen over this past season that the Steelers lost three in a row, two of those to opponents with two and ten records, and the other one, their worst performance of the year in Indianapolis, in large part because of exactly the decision that you're describing there, Matt. That's that's what happened. They went right from Kenny to Mitch. And if you'll recall the details of that, if you'll recall, as I can vividly, Tomlin just gunning down. I mean, gunning down in flames. Anything at all that had to do with Mason at that time, yeah, that was a way bigger whiff than anything that might have occurred that extends back to Latrobe from last summer, or even for that matter, Latrobe the previous summer when it was supposed to be a competition between Mason and Mitch, one that never played out. In that way at all, that was never to be taken seriously by anyone, and by the way, wasn't taken seriously by anyone, including the participants. Everyone knew Mitch was going to be the starter. I'll also call your attention to the season's final four weeks, and every time Tomlin was asked to evaluate Mason's performance, what you would get back was nice job this, nice job that. And when he was pointedly asked after the season in that extensive press conference if he might have missed something or his staff might have missed something, that was where he drew the line. That was where he said no. And he spouted out his standard line about how there's a fine line between being 
an all pro and a backup in this league and how it's to Mason's credit that he paid such close attention and stayed so in tune with the offense that he was able to fit in at the end. Never once said, yeah, you know, uh, we kind of blew it there. Even if, even if we would have started out the season with Kenny, no matter what Mason did, we kind of blew it in the sense that we grossly underestimated what he could do, regardless of the circumstances in front of him. But it's those circumstances that you got to be mindful of. I feel that. If someone's outperforming the person that you have playing at any position, I'm not talking about quarterback now, at any position, sure, you've got to have in your head that the other person, the starter, the incumbent, has done it over a longer period of time, can be trusted to do certain things that maybe this new person can't do. Like, for example, let's say Nick Herbig takes T.J. Watt's position for a week, and Nick comes up with three sacks, two TFLs, a pass defense. You're not benching T.J., okay? You'd be an idiot. But you would at least think of Herbig in a different way, wouldn't you? And me talking about Herbig here specifically, you'd actually believe that this could happen, because it could, because the kid's really good. But you still wouldn't go that rash on it. You would at least be aware of it. In this case, I don't think anybody can deny that nobody, nobody was aware that this quarterback could play at this level. And that should be something that they're asking questions about. In fact, it's something that Art Rooney should be asking questions about. And on that note, this afternoon I'll be meeting with Rooney over on the South Side, along with a handful of other reporters. It's something that he does once a year. And I'll be reporting the results of the meeting that we have on DK Pittsburgh Sports right at the top of our homepage on the app and the website. Hope you can check that out. I appreciate the question, Matt. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. And we'll be talking about the Rooney meeting on tomorrow's show. 